0: Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage.
2: Welcome to Seasons. I'm Muddy Soul Castro.
1: And I'm Chef Plum. We've got a great show for you this week, inspired by sports.
2: And athletes. Ahead on Seasoned, our guests help answer the question, what do athletes eat? We're curious about this ourselves and thought you might be too.
1: Later in the show, you'll hear my conversations with athletes Stevie Brown and Bianca Belair. Stevie is a former NFL player turned personal trainer, and Bianca is a superstar in world wrestling entertainment, the WWE.
2: But first, let's find out how the athletes at UConn fuel their bodies for performance. Our guest is Liz Waluka. She's the director of sports nutrition at UConn. Liz, thanks for joining us.
0: Thanks for having me, I'm
2: excited to be here. So what exactly does the head of sports nutrition at UConn do?
0: I get to do a lot with our athletes and it's a really fun service. So I'd say the most utilized service by our athletes is our counseling. So any athlete can reach out, whether they are trying to gain lean muscle, lean out, healthy eating habits, allergies, really or just grocery shopping. I think a lot of people forget when someone gets to the collegiate level, mom and dad aren't cooking for them anymore. Right. And so it's really the first time where you have to take care of them of yourself. So at the start of every year, most teams will get a sports nutrition one-on-one team talk where I'll really just go over the basics of sports nutrition. So this is just great for the freshman, the soft, anyone coming in that, you know, just needs a refresher on just Sports nutrition, how to fuel for their specific sports, but it will all come back to the habits. And then throughout the year, maybe travel nutrition is something that they're struggling with. So I can provide travel tips or hydration, or I love grocery store tours. So I can meet with an athlete one-on-one and then meet them at our price chopper on our campus and help them navigate the store. And then cooking classes, which we started a good amount last year. So we work with our Yukon dining Chef, and we put together cooking classes. I think last year we got over almost 100 athletes in the kitchen. So, just those life skills of, you know, when you move into an apartment, your junior, senior year, you, you probably have never even like made salmon before, you know? So, or just how do you even grill chicken? So, just how to boil water, how to boil water, how to make pasta. We'll keep it simple. And then I work really closely with our sports medicine and sports performance team. So, that could be our athletic trainers team doctors, sports psychologists, and our strength conditioning coaches. So throughout the week, throughout the month, we might have different meetings, whether that's working with our eating disorders or just injury nutrition. So I'm definitely busy, but it's, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, we really take good care of our athletes here at UConn and, you know, making sure they're getting that holistic approach from the sports medicine, sports performance. I work with coaches to the athletes. So I get to, I kind of get to know everyone, which is really fun too.
1: So Liz, you said the word sports nutrition, like how different is sports nutrition to like a regular person's nutrition?
0: In general, athletes do have higher protein needs and likely higher calorie needs. It's all going to depend on what sport that you're playing. So like a softball player isn't going to have as higher calorie needs compared to your distance runner or carbohydrate needs. But at the end of the day, I think regardless of if you're an athlete or just a regular human like you and me, you got to get the habits down you'd be surprised how many people come in and they've never probably thought about what they ate, especially at the collegiate level because they were the best in their high school. But now they come here and now it's like, what's going to give me that edge. So, you know, the buy ins pretty easy because a lot of them don't know. And then once you help them kind of work through their food preferences and and their goals, they catch on because they feel good. And they don't just feel good in their sport. They feel good when they can study at night for a long exam for class and then you know, most of our athletes, I mean, some do go pro. And so taking care of your body throughout college, you you have to gain those skills for when you leave. But then we also know a lot of student athletes don't go pro. So what's really cool about my job here is I'm not just helping them, you know, fuel for performance. It's also for these skills will take you further when your, your days are done playing at UConn. So to that point,
2: what is life like for a UConn athlete?
0: Yeah. So what's been really interesting is COVID has changed the world for all of us. So I'll kind of go through maybe before and just a little bit after, but I would say before COVID, I mean, it could be you know a lift at 6am and then you know they get to the dining hall around 8 and then they might have run to a class and they have to go to study hours and they have practice from one to three they might not have a great window for lunch and then you know they have to go to the athletic trainer and do some rehab and then they have to study and then they have to wake up and do it all over again so you can only imagine how food and fuel can help them feel their best so What's been nice about COVID in the sense they're still doing those things, but think of, I mean, most classes, I don't know what's really going to happen in the future, but most classes were online. So the ability for an athlete now to have make breakfast, if they're in an apartment, we can kind of find a hybrid model on how we can kind of save these kids a little bit of time and that self-care because a lot of my interventions before COVID were like, what are great breakfast on the go options, you know, grab a Greek yogurt, put some granola and you're out the door. But now, now we have a little bit more, You can make eggs maybe in your apartment, or you have the time. So, our athletes are busy, but if you don't take care of yourself, it's going to be a long four years.
2: I could imagine. The self serving part of this is that my brother in law is Mark Didio. He's class of 90. He was the wide receiver for the Yukon Huskies. He went on to go play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This fall, you will be welcoming his son, my nephew, MJ Didio. And we were just talking about the exact thing you said. Back in 1990, My brother-in-law went to the dining hall. And now in 2021, MJ will have a much wider spectrum of what he can use to fuel his body. And he also said, by the way, in 1990, the last thing we were thinking about was what we were eating as athletes. We just wanted to bulk up. We wanted to lift weights. And I see my nephew, and this is a kid that won't eat anything green. He's so mindful about what he puts in his body because he knows it will ultimately make him... A better athlete, and so where does UConn fall in the spectrum of, you know, really putting nutrition at the forefront of really what they are? I mean, it's a it's a Division One school.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say every athlete has equal access to the services here. Anyone can reach out to me and schedule a meeting and really get that individualized care we run food events. I forgot to mention, we do um, what you eat Wednesday, which every other Wednesday I'll feature a new food outside my office or around campus. And that's a great place where athletes can come try something new. And, and that's also where I can get a lot of presence with our athletes and get that FaceTime. Cause it's usually those like little conversations that can just spark an athlete and kind of what you were saying about eating the greens and athletes kind of being afraid of fruits and vegetables. I think that's another part of my job too, is how can I make those things fun and enjoyable? And so it doesn't have to feel like a burden because you can eat well, and food can taste good too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, helping our athletes based on their individual individual needs kind of get to where they want to be.
2: When you figure out your trick for helping your athletes eat greens, let me know because I'm a mother of a 12 year old who <laughs> <laughs> refuses to eat greens. So I've tried, and he can't taste it, but he's like, "It's green." You put spinach in there, and I'm like, oh, we need to start. Yeah, Someone needs to a create a a
0: white spinach. Or I'll something. send you. I'll send you a smoothie recipe after this.
1: Okay. Use white asparagus, my saw, and then put it in a cup that's that you can't it, see in. That's all you got. That's do. right, Liz. You know, nutritious and chefs. It's like oil and vinegar. Like I want to make things taste good. You want to make it super healthy, and it's not very often you can find that happy medium. But I was looking at this athlete plate concept, and it kind of seems to almost start to kind of cross that boundary a little bit
0: the boundary in a good way or a
1: bad way. <laughs> <laughs> into, into like making food tasty and, and looking like, okay, that's a complete delicious meal.
0: Some people think we're the food police as dietitians or that we're always like judging people, but really we're here to help help people meet their goals in a way that tastes good. So for that athlete plate, what I love about that, and that's the, um, the Olympic Training Center Committee Team USA nutrition plate. And I know people probably can't see it, but if you look it up, it's just a great way where athletes can based how they build their plate off versus their goals. So when I think of athletes going through a dining hall or just trying to figure out what they need, they know Depending on their certain goals, hey, I'm gonna grab this carbohydrate, or I know protein should take up this much of my plate, or I had a really hard training day, I'm gonna go a little bit more on the carbohydrates to replenish that energy I lost to be ready for the next day. So I use those plates a lot in session to help our athletes kind of think through. Because have I really done my job if an athlete goes to, to a buffet outside of Yukon and they don't know what to do? So I always think I can give them a skill and I can give them a meal plan, but if they don't have those skills to take them outside, then That's what success, I think, really means.
1: But you got to give me more than a teaspoon of of fat to use. I mean, I can't even check it in that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And that's just the guideline. I think that's just the guideline. Like, I didn't even, like, see that, to be honest, on the side. (laughs) But, (laughs) but yeah.
1: What's interesting about it, though, is that we are seeing a lot of new fats coming out that you can use that are fantastic to use. I cook an avocado oil on a regular basis now. It's a much better fat than using a, a vegetable oil or something like that, right?
0: I would say, I feel like a lot of our athletes would cook with olive oil, but I wouldn't say that'd be an area I'd be like super stressed about, like, yeah. cause oil in general, you're getting some fat in, healthy fats are good for you. And you know, how can we incorporate more in the, into our diets, help our inflammation and brain function as well, get some omega threes in.
1: But what are some of the things you would look at and say, okay, we need to veer away from?
0: I guess like a good example of how my job would kind of work is say an athlete's building their plate and they have a ton of mac and cheese on their plate and maybe they're trying to lean out and someone could be like, Oh my God, they should never eat mac and cheese again. Like take that off their plate, but helping the athlete with that athlete plate, you know, you can have mac and cheese, but let's portion that out. Let's try to, you know, help that towards your performance goals because we know when we take something away, we crave it more. And then we don't create that healthy relationship with food. So how can we, kind of meet them in the middle and say, Hey, you can still have mac and cheese. Let's have it take up like this portion of your plate, but let's add some grilled chicken to it to get that protein and to keep you satisfied longer. So it's not really about what's bad on your plate or what's not going to help you with your performance goals. It's how can we keep you satisfied honoring your hunger, but also helping you move towards, you know, where you want to be. Likely they're going to be like, well, Liz, I feel so much better that I didn't eat the whole plate of mac and cheese because they've never thought about how they felt until they were Mm -hmm. kind of asked to be more mindful and and figure that out too. Gotcha.
2: As I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about that very notion of, I don't want ice cream. I don't want ice cream. But if I say no five more times, I'm going to eat an entire Sunday and then really regret it. So thank you. Because that's exactly what I did yesterday. I was like, I want ice cream. And so I got a little scoop. It was just enough.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Like maybe you're always getting a large ice cream and maybe you're trying to lean out. So it wouldn't be like, let's take ice cream out of your diet forever. How about, why don't we try the small or the kitty? And and maybe you used, to, I mean, this is kind of dramatic. Maybe you used to get it five times a week. And now <laughs> let's try, like, let's try to do two. So you, you meet them where they are. It's like all foods really fit. You're not going to go to the dairy bar five minutes before a soccer game. I mean, I think everyone kind of knows that, but I think maybe that would surprise people about not dietitians too, but we're actually helping you with your relationship with food. It's not about like what diet, how can we take everything out? It's more, how can we add things in to make you feel your best? It's not just UConn's athletes that can
2: benefit from this wisdom. If you follow at Fueling Huskies on Instagram, you can fuel your own healthy eating. We especially love Myth Mondays, where Liz debunks
0: common myths about nutrition because I'm one dietitian for so many athletes. I started that because my thought was, how can I reach as many athletes as I can? You know, even if I put out one fact or one post a day, some athlete that I didn't see that day can learn that one egg has six grams of protein or just some fact. So that's kind of how it started. And just to get like our athletes involved. And it's been really cool because it's, it's not just, I mean, it's for athletes, but there's recipes on there. There's fueling tips, there's athlete spotlights, and there's myth Monday. That's one of our new segments that. You know that's the other thing there's so many myths out there nutrition is so confusing and at the end of the day it really doesn't have to be so confusing but unfortunately diet culture has you know made a lot of money from confusing people so there's just different myths so one of my favorite myths to debunk is that a lot of people think dairy is bad for you or you know only drink almond milk but dairy especially it has calcium and protein so unless you have an allergy or an intolerance for our athletes you need protein to help repair and build your muscle and calcium also to help with bone health and protein keeps you full for a longer time too. So like at the beginning of all my nutrition presentations, I'll always say to our athletes, what has more protein? Do you think it's almond milk or skim milk? And like half of the athletes think it's almond milk, right? Cause people talk about, oh, my mom drinks almond milk and you know, it's not a bad thing but your mom's probably not a division one athlete. Like one cup of skim milk, for example has around eight grams of protein where one cup of almond milk only has one.
1: The two things about that one, can we stop calling it almond milk? It's not actually milk. Isn't it like a, I don't know what you call it, but it's not milk. I'll stop calling it almond milk, like hazelnut milk. I have a friend of mine who drinks. Yeah. Milk. Now there's oh.
0: oat milk, there's coconut milk yeah. and like nothing against like you can, if you like that, honestly, a lot of them do have calcium. You just want to check. I think it's just more understanding what your needs are and how we can help you get there. Yeah. And I think like a lot of people just aren't, are not educated, not in a bad way, but this is the first time they probably ever have met with a dietitian
1: ever. Almond juice. Can we call it juice oh, maybe? It yeah, that will,
0: that will turn people away. Yeah. <laughs> when you have an
2: athlete, the school has an athlete that is maybe not performing well or has gotten an injury. Where are you in the chain of command when it's all hands in? They're like, okay, we need to do recon and figure out what's happening with this athlete.
0: So likely when an injury happens, that's when the athletic trainer or the strength conditioning coach can kind of pair us up or say, or refer an athlete to me or a team doctor. And so I can start working with them, you know, likely on the injury, it's going to depend on the athlete. There could be some psychological things going on on, you know, when your sport's taken away from you, it's really difficult. And that's a whole nother episode you could do, but, but like that's also a factor. So are they plugged in with our mental health? Are they plugged in with nutrition? Are they working with our strength coach? Are they meeting with our team physician and our athletic trainer? So, you know, whatever that process is, you know, I can do a food log with athletes and kind of see where their protein needs are, where their carbohydrate needs are by doing like an analysis with them. And then we can provide proper supplementation to help meet their needs if they can't meet it through food. Yeah, no, I'm definitely a part of the
2: the conversation. You're up there. You're at, you're at the ground yeah. level. You're right yeah. there. And with so I think it's important. That makes me happy to hear because I think so many people who are not athletes kind of forget that nutrition is It's a holistic thing, right? There's so much that goes into it. And I think our listeners, whether they are aspiring athletes, none of us are going to go to D1 schools. But, you know, maybe we're weekend tennis players or maybe we want to run a 10K or a marathon. We could take a page out of your book to help us become better kind of weekend warriors.
0: Yeah. And also the big misconception too, like a lot of athletes, if they get injured, they, the, like the automatic thought is usually, Oh my God, I should eat. I shouldn't eat much. Like I should really not eat much. And that's, that's the worst thing that you could ever do. And so if, so really getting on top of that and educating the athlete on, Hey, you need these calories to help your rebuilding process. Maybe you don't need as much as, you know, running a cross country race, but you know, you, you need to help the healing process.
1: It's fuel for your body. You've got to have it for sure. I mean, your body can't work without it. You have to have it. I've worked with a lot of clients as a private chef over the years and they try to lose weight. And the first thing they want to do is cut out carbohydrates. That's not always a great thing to do, is it?
0: Yes, correct. So basically when you cut out carbs, you're just not getting energy. And so then your body's going to tap into your protein for fuel and then you're going to lose lean mass. Overall, it depends on the extreme, but I think it's more about picking carbohydrates. I, I don't love the word smart carbs, but like carbs for your bucks. So for example... Your whole grains, and this is what I talk to our athletes about, your whole grains have fiber and protein. So that's like your brown rice, quinoa, oatmeal, those are going to keep you satisfied for a longer time. So people don't realize when you actually go to the store and look at like the bread, like if you look at the back of whole grain bread, you could see like two, or sorry, one slice has, four grams of protein. So if you have a sandwich, you just got eight grams of protein from your sandwich. And that's not even counting the meat in between and protein keeps you full for longer time. So like I was saying that plate of Mac and cheese earlier, if you're just eating that, you're probably going to be still hungry because there's not much protein in your Mac and cheese. So it's more like making sure you have a carbohydrate at every meal, but just being mindful of what carb you're having and also making sure you're having that protein to help maintain that lean mass and keep you satisfied. So I think the thing people don't do if they are trying to lose weight is they try to like not eat too much throughout the day when it's kind of, you want to have, we call it triple threat meals and double play snacks. So depending on your needs, it's going to look a little different, but having those balanced meals and balanced snacks throughout the day, because you know, if you wait too long, you're going to be hangry, you're going to be angry, and then you're going to overeat at dinner. So whether that's packing, you know, almonds in your bag, or you have string cheese in the office or Greek yogurt, it's not How do you not eat anything throughout the day? It's how do you kind of be more mindful, but set yourself up for a deficit that's like you're going to still feel good. You're not going to feel like you're deprived. Right.
2: What about liquid, water, drinks with electrolytes? I know my son yesterday said, and he plays lacrosse, and he said, I want Gatorade, but I want a healthy version of Gatorade. And I was like, I have no idea. Dude, let's investigate. Hydrating is a huge part of an athlete's life. Can you talk to us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, so sports drinks in general. So I think the biggest misconception about sports drinks, which I like love debunking too, is that Powerade or Gatorade or those types of drinks, they have carbohydrates in them. And carbohydrates give you energy. And when it's liquid, it's going to be easier to digest. And so actually in close proximity to training or practice, that's where you want your quick digesting carbs, like a sports drink, like a granola bar, applesauce, you could do fruit snacks. That's just the difference between maybe sports nutrition and like For example, I wouldn't recommend applesauce for like a midday snack for any of us because that's not going to keep us satisfied, right? But for someone who needs quick energy, but you know, you're not going to have a turkey sandwich five minutes before the game. That's why sports drinks can be helpful for the electrolytes for hydration. But actually the bigger thing is to top off your energy stores. You know, you start your your game with a high energy tank because you likely get a pregame meal, you feel good. But by halftime, your energy stores have decreased. So isn't it silly to not even try to Fill up the tank to continue to perform at that high level. So that's why halftime fueling is is so important.
1: Hey, did any of you guys also picture just then when Liz was talking about having applesauce at halftime? I just pictured an entire professional football team in a locker room having those go-go squeezy applesauces sauces <laughs> in their mouth.
0: But that's what it is. Like that really is what it is. Like across the country, like there's so many sports dietitians out there, and we have our tables. We. Because it's so important, like to fill up your energy tank.
1: Hey, last one for me, Liz, I love desserts. And I know a lot of my friends who work in in, in professional sports, whether it's an NFL player or a hockey player, love desserts as well. It almost kind of becomes like a thing that makes them feel maybe like they're like a regular person and they can have a small sliver of chocolate cake. How does that work with athletes that you work with? Do you encourage desserts? Are you saying, is it all about the portion control or is sugar the enemy?
0: It's really goes back to that portion control. But yeah, I wouldn't say I discourage desserts really at all. It's more just being mindful. Like a lot of people want something of chocolate or sweets at night. So like you could do Greek yogurt with chocolate chips and some berries. Um, You could do a smoothie with like peanut butter banana and it, you know, tastes good with chocolate chips or graham cracker, peanut butter, banana sandwich with a glass of milk, you know, you can make it still fun. And so maybe it's the athlete that's like, wow, Liz, I used to eat cake every night. And now I eat a PB and J with chocolate milk. And I feel so much better at my 6am morning practice. So that's more of the the goal. But yeah, like you can have dessert, like life's too short to not right. Like Thank not. you. Thank you. Yeah. As long as I'm invited, then we're good.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to stop eating the one serving size, which is a whole sleeve of Girl Scout cookies. That is not <laughs> a serving size, apparently. <laughs> Liz, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I feel like I've gotten much smarter now. We appreciate it.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for
2: having me. That was Liz Waluka. She's the director of sports nutrition at UConn. Go Huskies! Then later in the hour, the current SmackDown Women's Champion of the WWE, Bianca Belair. I'm Marisol Castro.
1: And I'm Chef Plum. Coming up after the break, pro football player turned personal trainer Stevie Brown shares his philosophy on eating right.
3: I do try to eat healthy Monday through Friday, but Saturday, Sunday, I'ma live my life.
1: This is Seasoned. We'll be right back.
2: Welcome back to Seasoned, I'm Marisol Castro.
1: And I'm Chef Plum.
2: In our first segment, we learned how athletes at UConn fueled their bodies and their sports nutritionists busted some common food myths. You'll hear more practical advice all of us can use, athletes and non-athletes alike, from our next guest.
1: Stevie Brown is a former NFL player. He played safety for the New York Giants, among other teams throughout his career. He's certified by the National Council on Strength and Fitness, and he's a cook too. We've got one of those in common. He's focused on fitness now, so we thought we'd pick his brain about what fuels his workouts and how he balances food and exercise with a very busy life. Stevie Brown, welcome to Seasoned.
3: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.
1: Man, you are just the pinnacle of... You're like like a chiseled statue, man. (laughs) Do you you sleep? Do you you just work out every day? No,
3: you have to sleep. Sleep's the most important part of it. That recovery time (laughs) is what you need.
1: Do you ever just have a Snickers bar? like?
3: Oh, see, that's the thing. Like, I tell people all the time, the better shape you're in, the more cheats you're allowed. Monday Mm. through Friday, I don't really stick to, but I do try to eat healthy Monday through Friday. But Saturday, Sunday, I'm going to live my life.
1: What's like a meal on a Monday? What would you have on a Monday?
3: So, like, I'll usually do, like, my meal prep on Saturday. So, this are on Sunday. So, this week I did chickpea stew-ish type of deal, red bell peppers, onions, garlic, kind of tandoori seasoning, Grand marsala seasoning kind of has a little Indian flair and I put it over coconut, jasmine rice. I did a barbecued salmon with roasted zucchini and broccoli. Those are the main things that I had this week. And like, so I'll just make a big batch of that and I have everything. And then each day I pack my lunch and I'll just put those things in there, vegetables, a little carb, protein at every meal, Very healthy. lunch and dinner breakfast. I usually do a pretty big protein shake the thing about breakfast is a lot of people will start off the day as they want to eat breakfast, but they want to eat too much breakfast. And then they start the day off in a caloric deficit. And then you make bad decisions later in the day. Right. So like in the morning, I usually start, it's two bananas, about a cup of oats, protein powder, protein shake, cinnamon, we'll put it all in the blender. And like, that's what I'll have in the morning. It's about five, 600 calories, but it sustains me and keeps me energized until I need to have lunch
1: you talked about starting off at caloric deficit. Is that right? Yeah. 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 People, when
3: people are trying to lose weight, you, you want to be in a caloric deficit. Whenever you lose weight, you want to burn more calories than you're taking it. People, and they'll try to limit, they'll try to eat smaller meals. But the thing about it is if you eat too small of a meal in the morning, then probably by like nine o'clock, you're already like, Ooh, you're reaching for a snack. And then 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, you're like, Ooh, I need another snack. And then you're eating your lunch. So, why not just do something healthy and big in the morning and it'll sustain you all the way until lunchtime. And then you don't make bad decisions like that snicker bar at 10 a.m. won't look as appealing if you've had a nice breakfast, as opposed to if you have like a cup of coffee and a banana 10 o'clock, that snicker bar is going to look real appealing.
1: All right. Well, so, so you can still have the snickers bar, I guess. That's what you're telling me.
3: I mean, I'll have the snickers bar, you know, <laughs> Saturday, Saturday. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All this food, these things you're saying, they sound delicious. But, you know, instead, I- I'll find myself grabbing that bowl of Captain Crunch in the morning. Not the way to go.
3: No, not at least not for me.
1: Uh, you so nice about it, too. Look, no, at least not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just, mean, hey, uh, don't eat that, Chef.
3: It's uh, everybody quick in America. That's the thing. Quick. Quick is yeah. the name of the game. So, you know, a protein shake is actually... It's actually pretty quick. I can drink it in my car on my way to work. So I'm still having something on the go. It's just a healthier option on the go.
1: So you played with the Giants. You played with the Raiders. How different is your eating habits now versus when you were playing ball?
3: So for me, whenever I was playing, I was more so concerned with making weight because that was what we had to do. The, every single week you get weighed in. And you have a certain range that you have to be in. So, like during
1: range, what was the range you had to be in?
3: I was allowed to be 216 to 218. It's very specific. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but it's very specific. It's uh, if you're under that, it's a $500 fine. If you're over it's a $500 fine for each pound. Wow. Yeah. So, I would eat like, yeah, I still didn't make the healthy options and things like that, but I just ate so I would make sure I stayed with my weight. Now, since I don't have to worry about weight, I eat how I want to eat. I'm not someone who counts macros. I don't do a regimented diet every single week. Like, yeah, I tell you guys that I do meal prep and I make sure I eat healthy, but I'm not counting calories. I'm not out here. I like to say I eat enough to make sure I quiet the stomach rumblings, but I don't want to eat so much where I'm walking around where I'm full and feel bloated. So now I don't really worry about weight. I just more so worry about how I feel. And I like to tell everybody, including my clients, do the mirror test. Put your clothes on, how do your clothes fit on you? How do you look in the mirror? Do you like what you see? Don't look at the scale. Scale is very misleading.
1: Back to the, it's really striking. I don't think people understand that. So you have a, when you're playing pro ball, you have a weight you have to hit. And for your position, you played safety. You played safety your whole career, right? Yes. So very fast, ahead in the game eyes on the ball everywhere because you're kind of that guy who's going to be all over the field. Yes. So I guess that's kind of why they want to keep that weight in that area. They don't want you too heavy because they want you to be fast.
3: Yes, correct. Keep your weight in a certain area to where you're still able to run and move, but then you also still have to be big enough to come down on a box and take on yeah. linebackers, not linebackers, but running backs and tight ends and things like that. So it's like a, it's like an even balance.
1: And some of these you know, wide receivers now you might have to cover were you know, six foot four big boys. Exactly. So you to take them down. And then you got to finish up and then worry about, I'm hungry, but I can't eat any tacos because I'm not going to make weight. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of pressure. How much did it change in the off-season?
3: Oh, the off-season, it's all relaxed in the off-season. Like, in the off-season, you just kind of do what you want to do. There's no weight requirements that you have to meet or anything like that. But you still do want to just stay in shape because there is off-season training and things like that. Yeah. But whenever July would roll around, then it's like, all right, let me get these three, four pounds off real quick. So I'm ready for season.
1: Did that three or four pounds really make a difference in your speed?
3: It, it makes a difference in how you feel. I like to say I carry my weight well, so I mm-hmm. never really noticed the two or three pounds, but I didn't feel as sluggish. Like I could sustain a 15-play drive and still be standing up straight and be able to breathe and be able to go about what I was doing when
1: I was a little bit lighter weight as opposed to when I was a little bit heavier. Listen, I carry my weight well, too. It's just when I get up and get down. That's <laughs> <what I'm doing. laughs> oh. To compare for people who don't understand different positions in football, you have guys like you who are these models of fitness who are fast and smart and heady. And then you have offensive linemen who sit around and eat four large pizzas, and they're encouraged to be these giant monsters to, make, to basically build a human wall. Yeah. I mean, do you ever get jealous of those guys?
3: Not at all. That doesn't even look sexy. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know, there's, I mean, they do have to be big, but they have to be big for a reason.
1: For people who maybe are out there trying to get in shape for the summer or just kind of get themselves feeling a little bit better, as a trainer for you, what would be some things you would tell them? Like, I think what happens is when people try to do diets and work out, it's getting that gratification, seeing yeah. it. I know when I start doing yoga really hard and going, I see it, I want to do it more. What's something you think you could like recommend like for somebody who isn't a, a physical fit machine like you are?
3: You know, the most thing is what you eat. Like everybody wants to go to the gym and they want to lift weights. They want to get on cardio. They want to do all this stuff, but like the aesthetics, the, the look that you want to see, is going to come from what you eat. So you have to
1: start right outwork a bad diet.
3: Exactly. Like you have to start making better decisions away from, from whenever you're with me. So it's like, it's more so whenever you start eating properly, you'll see more results faster that way.
1: For Stevie Brown, what is defining eating properly? So in the
3: morning, I have my big protein shake. Doing that eliminates me wanting to go back and put like Bella Vita bars in my bag or uh, Nature Valley bars, just things that are like healthy snacks, as we like to say. But I I won't go back and eat those because I've had a nice protein shake to allow me to sustain all my energy and keeps me full and ready. Um, And then on top of that, you don't want to overeat at meals either. That's another problem that we have here in this country. It's like the portion sizes that you get are so big, you're really not supposed to eat that much food. People are afraid of carbs, but you really shouldn't be afraid of carbs if you're taking the right carbs. Like for me, I like to eat a lot of couscous, brown rice jasmine rice i'll do sweet potatoes black beans things like that where it's still i'm getting enough carbohydrates into my body that sustain me and keep me energized so whenever i do want, want to go work out and do things like that i have enough energy and i still feel strong enough to get through them. but like eating a lot of refined carbs like your white breads and your white rices and pizzas and things like that oh, like
1: don't say that
3: That's that's where you that's where you start to fall into trouble, because those are basically just burn up quickly, turn into sugar in the body and you get nothing out of them.
1: Good advice. I guess the pizza part really just my heart broke when you said that I really like pizza. Oh,
3: trust me. I still I still like pizza, too, like I said, but it's not something that's going to be a staple in my diet. That's going to be something I'm going to have like once or twice a month on the weekend.
1: So what's a good cheat meal like? So what's a cheat meal that you want to go to you look forward to each week?
3: Like, honestly, Saturday nights, I just like to do something different all the time. So, like, today I stopped and I'm making myself lamb burgers.
1: A little tzatziki sauce on there? Of course. Of
3: course. Of course with the tzatziki sauce. Last week I made Philly cheesesteaks.
1: Now we're talking.
3: You know, the week before that, I think I made, actually made did pizza. I fired up the pizza oven and I, I did pizza on the pizza
1: oven. That sounds great. Yeah. What I love is that the food that you're eating, you know, even going back to what we started, you talked about the barbecue salmon, you talked about even lots of vegetables. I mean, none of this is hard to do for anybody, you know. Not at all. It's just that discipline to not have that extra pizza, to not, and I noticed how I said the whole a whole pizza, not to have the extra pizza or <laughs> eat yeah. that Snickers bar. And I think you're right. Maybe I should try, and other people could try having a healthier breakfast in the morning, and that might curb some of that midday hunger. Yeah, when you
3: start the day off right, then. You start to make better choices throughout the day. It's like the old saying with the army guy. When you get up in the morning and you make your bed, now you know you're ready for the day and you're able to start making better choices throughout the day. Same thing when you have your breakfast.
1: Yeah. We've talked about lunches. We've talked about breakfast. We've talked about dinner. We've talked about cheat meals. What about dessert? Do we do any desserts? Can we do desserts when we're sitting during the week trying to maintain weight?
3: Everything's
1: uh, about, what's
3: the what's the word I'm looking for?
1: Moderation. moderation. Listen, one strawberry is not dessert. I just want to point that out. Yeah,
3: one, one <laughs> strawberry is not dessert. Um, you know, fortunately, I'm not a huge dessert person. I do like to make desserts. I'm actually right now in the process of perfecting my homemade oatmeal cream pie. I'm just trying to get the
1: consistency of the cream correct. Wait, like the little Debbie ones? That had like It was like a soft oatmeal cookie on the top and on the bottom, and the center had that cream. Exactly, batter? yeah. Yo, those those were really delicious when I was a kid. Yeah. I just saw a cereal version of that, by the way. I was blown away. No, I wouldn't eat any
3: of that. That sounds terrible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I enjoy a cocktail. I enjoy a great beer. I enjoy drinking a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. I'm working on trying to get that Stevie Brown figure. I know like you and I, we're we're very similar, (laughs) but uh, I want to get that one extra step that you've got there. Can I not have these things now?
3: No, you can have them. It's the same thing with dessert. It's all about moderation. It's whenever you sit there and you drink six beers oh. or you drink a whole bottle of wine, things like that. That's where it starts to add up. And it is amazing how many calories you can drink oh without God. even knowing it.
1: <laughs> you're right. I mean, you get some of those IPAs. They're delicious and everybody loves them, but they're 400 calories of beer. Exactly. Yeah. Once you start
3: like drinking your calories and everything like that, because you, if you drink a calorie, you're not really full. You're just kind of like, mm, let me just burp real quick. All right, my stomach's <laughs> loosened up. Let me go eat some food now. So now from having a maybe a 900-calorie meal, you also added in 2,000 calories from your drinks, and now you're already over your calorie limit for the day
1: Man, in one sitting. All right, so I can have one drink. I got to eat the protein shake in the morning i'm gonna to try to start doing that for sure and see how it goes i tell you what every time i talk to you man you inspire me to make myself look <laughs> good. i really appreciate not being serious i really appreciate that i'm glad i can do that stevie thank you for hanging out with us hopefully some other people can get inspired by this and uh i can't wait to see what happens and with the people you're training next i mean you're gonna put out if everybody you train looks like you oh boy we got work to do <laughs> <laughs> they're all stronger all my people will say they're definitely stronger. That's what I'm talking about. Stevie, we appreciate you, man. Thanks for hanging out and seasoned with us.
0: Oh, yeah. Appreciate you having
2: me. That was Stevie Brown. He's currently a personal trainer, making clients stronger in the Houston area. I'm Sol Castro.
1: And I'm Chef Plum. We're going to take a short break. But when we come back, the winner of the WWE Women's SmackDown title, Bianca Belair. She'll share a bit of her wrestling journey and her ultimate cheat meal.
4: We have that nice layer of baked golden cheese on top. No breadcrumbs. If you put breadcrumbs in my mac and cheese, thank you for the effort, but no thank you.
1: <laughs> this is Seasoned. We'll be right back.
2: Welcome back to Seasoned. I'm Marisol Castro.
1: And I'm Chef Plum.
2: Okay, listeners, Plum has been campaigning to have a WWE superstar unseasoned for 43 shows. And with this episode focused on how athletes eat, he's finally getting his wish. Take it away, Plum.
1: (laughs) Founded in 1954, the Connecticut-based WWE spawned household names like Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and others who are now pop culture icons. The two main shows are Raw on the USA Network and SmackDown on Fox. They're some of the highest rated programming in the country. These athletes though are not like others. There's no off season, they travel over 200 days a year, somehow keeping their bodies in peak physical condition while living in and out of hotels, and sometimes performing multiple shows a day. Now the shows are scripted, that's no secret, but each show is still basically like being in a car crash for their bodies. The Super Bowl of professional wrestling is WrestleMania. Garnering more viewers than MLB, NBA, and the NHL. It's topped only by the Super Bowl. This year, the two night main event in April was headlined by two African American women for the first time ever, and they tore the house down in front of one of the first large live crowds since the pandemic started. Joining us now is the self proclaimed, and I happen to agree, EST of the SmackDown brand. What's the EST stand for? The strong est, the fast est, and just the best bianca belair thank you for joining us on seasoned
4: thanks for having me
1: i am so excited to have a few minutes to talk to you about food and travel and what's going on but first i have to congratulate you on becoming the smackdown women's champion that's incredible
4: (laughs) thank you so much this is like i'm trying to get out that honeymoon phase a little bit and get serious because i'm having to defend my title now but i just can't help but feel like a little kid on christmas day still
1: Your bodies and how you train and how you travel constantly has to be just a monster to maintain.
4: Yeah, it's it's definitely difficult. Um, It's something that you have to make a priority. I mean, you're a WWE superstar and you're putting your body on the line every single night. You have to take care of your body. It's a must. And that's just not physically. It's not just going and working out. It's also about what you're putting in your body and making sure that you're looking at food as fuel to, you know, assist in and helping you be a WWE superstar.
1: You're a big salad person, right?
4: Um, <laughs> I eat salads so much that sometimes people say, are you on a diet? I'm like, no, I just actually like a good salad. I've been that way since I was a kid. And, uh, but as everyone knows, sometimes salads aren't always healthy. It's also oh, yeah. what you put in salads. So sometimes I'll do a really nice, healthy salad. And sometimes one of my cheat meals would be one of those bacon cheese just all kind of croutons and ranch dressing like it'll be one of those oh, cheat meal salads so <laughs> salads can can be healthy or not healthy depending on what you put in it
1: i love salads and you know yeah. you wouldn't be able to tell but it's a donna's like figure but clearly mm-hmm. i like cheeseburgers more um, <laughs> <laughs> champ let me ask you you've been an athlete pretty much your entire life running track and field and things like that How is all that equated to becoming a wwe superstar
4: I've had coaches in my life ever since I was the age of five. And I've been able to have coaches, you know, criticize me and, and able to take that criticism and apply it. And just, you know, all around the athleticism from, I ran track, so I had power and strength and I did gymnastics. So I had agility and flexibility. I did power lifting. So I was able to pull all of those things and apply it into being a WWE superstar. But what I will say about wrestling is, it's not just going out there and competing. With WWE, it's about performing and making people feel something. So it's so much more that goes into it. And I had to completely throw myself into it and you know, focus on honing, honing my craft being a WWE superstar.
1: So wait, you didn't grow up being a pro wrestling fan?
4: No, my, my journey is, is pretty unique. I didn't really grow up watching it. My brother watched it more so than me. I wanted to be an Olympic track athlete like Flojo or Gil Devers uh-huh. or Olympic gymnast like Don Dahls. I ran track in college at the University of Tennessee. I was a hurdler. Then I did CrossFit and powerlifting. And Mark Ewing actually saw a video of me doing CrossFit. And I wore like, these big bows and sequins and tutus. So I really stood yeah. out. And he's a Hall of Famer now. And he's like, I really think you could be a WWE superstar. So it took me two tryouts. And now I'm here. And now I can't imagine myself doing anything other than being a WWE wrestler. So. It's destiny.
1: (laughs) I love it. Does WWE help at all with nutrition? Is there a nutritionist there to talk to? I know there's doctors, but is there anyone there that helps with food?
4: Definitely. You know, we had the Performance Center, which is where I started when I first started in April 2016. uh, That has, you know, amazing trainers, coaches, seminars and classes all the time about nutrition. It's a huge emphasis and focus on using food to fuel your body.
1: I'm glad they're actually teaching because, you know, back in the day with, with wrestling, it was just, let's go, let's all drink four quarts of milk, lift 45,000 pounds of weight and get as big as humanly possible. Where now it seems like it's more of that CrossFit body type, I think. Is that is, is that a pretty good assumption?
4: Yeah. And the thing is that we are athletes up and down hands down and it's a lot I feel like when I first came in I was it was rare to have someone come in that wasn't from a wrestling background right when you look at our locker room now it's so many people it's so diverse people that come from jiu jitsu that come from football that come from track that come from mma soccer acrobatics like it's so diverse now that the roster is just we are athletes and we have to treat our bodies like that and it's, so wwe puts a huge emphasis on making sure you you treat your body like an athlete would treat their body.
1: And you guys definitely are athletes. I just still can't get over how you stay in hotels. I've done some traveling (laughs) and how you stay in hotels. Don't have a cheeseburger at the end of the night is just beyond me.
4: (laughs) (laughs) It can get difficult when you're traveling and it can be hard to find healthy meals and so I know a lot of the superstars that actually order meals and, and they package the meals they put them on dry ice and but we have catering at the event yeah. as well that we can take with us and but it can be it can be challenging and difficult to find um, healthy food on the road that's one of the challenges
1: well let's just talk about that for a second like a typical day for you you're going to go out you get up it's time to go to a show how does the day start for you and how does it end
4: we're in the Thunderdome right now. And so the mornings that I wake up on Fridays, my husband and I, if we wake up early enough, we try to get a workout in, but I'm not a very uh, big morning person. <laughs> so my workout is usually in the ring at SmackDown. But we wake up, we have breakfast, and I'm, I'm a really big smoothie person. And that's how I try to get my protein in. I don't really like protein shakes. I have a bullet and I, I do bananas and strawberries and my vanilla protein. I do I'm an oatmeal person. So I eat a lot of oatmeal, um, boiled eggs in the morning, and then we get to the arena around one o'clock ish. WWE provides amazing catering that if you're vegan or you're vegetarian or you need gluten free things, it's it's something there for everyone, and it's it's always like a lean meat, lean protein there. It's always like a fish or a baked chicken, vegetables there. I love when they have they have like this sauteed spinach that I love because I love spinach. I'm a big snacker every three hours, big snacker, nuts. And I love lean meats. Yeah.
1: And so when you get home that night, you've had that food, you lay down to go to bed. Do you pop up the next day or is it, are you still hurting? How does that happen? How do you just jump right up and get right into the next day?
4: Well, my husband's a morning person, oh, good. <laughs> which my husband's Montez uh-huh. Ford. He's one half of the the, tax and the Street profits. So we work together. So he gets breakfast ready for me, usually the, the morning after uh, Smackdown. <laughs> and he usually makes me pancakes. He makes me protein pancakes and gives me boiled eggs and some coffee. So I usually have breakfast Look in bed you. and I lounge. <laughs> yeah. So I have a, a pretty good husband that, you know, treats me really, really nice. But Saturdays are usually are our, our recovery days. So we just kind of lounge around and get stuff done around the house.
1: Cheat meals, you know. It's Saturday. You're you don't have to train. What are you gonna have? What are we eating?
4: I'm a big cheese person, so I love my favorite food in cheat meal is baked. It has to be baked baked macaroni and cheese.
1: What's the est of mac and cheese? What's the trick? What's the the Bianca Belair trick to mac and cheese?
4: <laughs> I yeah. Uh, so I have to make my own mac and cheese. I don't know if that sounds a little cocky, but everyone says it's pretty good. But you know, I throw in like. The shredded cheese, I do the sharp shredded cheese. I do some Velveeta cheese which some people. Okay. Some people might not like that, but I just keep it simple. And I actually put barbecue sauce in my mac and cheese. Which some people find weird. <laughs> I do, it gives it like this hickory smoked flavor. Okay. And then you have to make sure you have that nice layer of baked golden cheese on top and no breadcrumbs. Like if you put breadcrumbs in my mac and cheese, Thank you for the effort, but no thank you. (laughs) And if you have some candy yams and you mix the candy yams with the macaroni and cheese, that's...
1: mm. Oh, now (laughs) we're going deep. This is what I'm talking about right here. (laughs) Candy yams, barbecue sauce, mac and cheese. Oh, my gosh. Thankfully, you didn't say it was a smoothie. I was getting scared for a second. I wasn't sure where we were going. (laughs) Uh, Champ, I've got to talk to you a little bit about, before we get you out of here, headlining WrestleMania, you and Sasha Banks, absolutely ripped the house down. I have three young daughters. I immediately grabbed them and said, You guys have to watch this. Look what these women are doing. It was a tremendous thing to see as a lifelong wrestling fan, to see two African American women doing what you guys did. Can you talk about that match for a second a little bit?
4: Yeah, that match is a match is going to be one of my, my favorite matches, I think, <clears throat> for my entire career and legacy when I look back, just from the very beginning, we we didn't find out that we were a main event. We found that along with everyone else on Twitter the day before, which was my birthday, the day before WrestleMania. So it was the best birthday present ever. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to top any birthdays in the future. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But the very first time that I stood still was in the ring when I was standing across from Sasha Banks. And that's when I got so emotional.
1: There was a moment there for sure.
4: That's when it actually hit me. And the day of was so hectic. And when I finally stood still and I could hear the crowd and we had gotten our audience back. Yeah, you can hear the crowd chanting "EST" and Sasha Banks in Boston. Then standing across from Sasha Banks and just looking at her and being like, "We're here and we're doing this." And just without us having to touch or talk, just the image and the representation that we were showing to the world and the significance of it—it it just hit me in that moment. Sasha Banks, she calls herself the boss, sent the blueprint, and that's exactly who she is in and outside the ring. And when she kind of looked at me and she kind of summons me, I was like, all right, yes, we're having this moment, but let's go. I took a deep breath and I was like, all right, let's go. And we went.
1: Oh. <laughs> Boy, did you guys ever go?
4: <laughs> yeah. And so to create history with Sasha Banks in, in that moment was amazing. And to do it in front of our fans, my family was there. The only way, you know, I've been trying to, to find words and people ask me how, how did it feel? The best way I can describe it is it felt like me on my wedding day, doing something that was so important and so significant and doing it, doing it in front of your family and loved ones. That's the, the best comparison that I can compare it to because you just can't put it into words what that night meant and what it was.
1: <laughs> it's pretty cool to go from uh, 2016 just starting to now you're the champ to inspiring young women all across the world. I, I think it's incredible what you're doing.
4: Thank you so much. That That's my why and why I do what I do. You know, I think about my role models and how they changed my life and to know that I'm in this position now where I can be doing that for other little girls and little boys. And it doesn't matter. That's what's so amazing about WWE. It just transcends upon gender and race and ethnicity and everyone can find someone that they relate to and get motivation from and get inspired by.
1: You can catch Bianca every Friday night on SmackDown at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. Bianca Belair, you are incredible. Thank you so much for sharing. I can't wait to try macaroni and cheese with a little barbecue sauce on it. I'm looking forward to it.
4: So don't judge me if you don't like it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you, Bianca.
4: Yeah, thank you so much. This meant a lot. Thank you.
2: That was WWE superstar Bianca Belair. Hold on to that SmackDown title as long as you can, Bianca. We will certainly be rooting for you. I'm Marisol Castro.
1: And I'm Chef Plum. Season is produced by Robin doyen Aiken and Katie Tolarski. Marisol, maybe you should go for the title.
2: You know, I think I'm all good with rugby and baseball and watching my kids from the sidelines. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next week.